This is an ABC podcast. This is Baby Talk Podcast with Penny Johnston. How did you imagine your life might change when you became a parent? Did it meet expectations? Have you in some way become a different person? And are you happy with that change? So many people try and hold off that change, determined that nothing will get in the way of life plans. But it's not always the case. Maybe not even for your first child or even for the second, but slowly and surely, life shifts around you. So is it easier to embrace that change from the start? And by embracing it, does that just mean giving up on your life goals? So many women, after they become mums, suddenly they're like, all the plastic containers in their house have to be thrown out and we have to go on this environmental, toxic-free, all of that. And we joke about it and think it's sort of this funny thing that goes with motherhood. But actually, it's matrescence. It's the changes within you because now you're not just yourself, you're also a mother. And I love that. It just allows us to understand why we change the way we do in such a better way. Amy Taylor-Kabaz is a woman who was totally walloped by motherhood. On the outside, she was a high flyer right here at the ABC. She was somebody that everybody looked up to and wondered how on earth she got it all done. But it was very far from an easy life. Amy has now embraced the change, moulding her life and work around helping other women come to terms with the beautiful changes that can result when you become a mother. She's an author and a life coach and also calls herself a matrescence activist. So I wanted Amy to explain how this whole new outlook on life really began. I got a life coach many years ago when I was really struggling with balancing my relationship, two little ones, a full on career at the ABC. And I just found out I was pregnant with my third, which was completely unexpected. And I really was in a place of, I don't know who I am. I don't know how to do this. I feel like at the end of every day, I'm failing. I'm not doing a great job at work. I'm not being the mum that I want to be. I was really in this tailspin of who am I and how do I do this better? So I actually had heard about life coaching and reached out to a coach and began the process. And it was amazing. It really was. It really helped me get clear on a lot of things. But what I saw, Penny, was that it's a very traditional way of getting people to focus on their goals and to move towards their goals. That's the traditional explanation of what a coach is. You know, traditionally, you'd think of it kind of like a Tony Robbins kind of idea where you sit down and you say, this is who I want to be in my career, in my family, in my relationship, and you set goals and you move towards it, which sounds great in theory. But if you're dealing with a woman who has a couple of toddlers, some work, a relationship, a community, friendships, and every single day doesn't seem to go to plan, If you ask her to set goals and stick to them and then invite her back every two weeks, for example, and say, how did you go with those goals? She's just going to feel like more and more of a failure. And that kind of is what happens in this industry, which is all about goal focusing. If you don't acknowledge that right now she's in a season of life where, yeah, she has a to-do list every single day of what she'd like to achieve, but then the baby starts vomiting at 3 a.m. and she can't go to work again. If you keep asking her to only focus on her to-do list, she's only ever going to feel worse. 
So this was sort of the beginning for me of exploring how do we as women move towards who we want to be? How do we set goals and decide what we want to be in our relationship or in our work, but also acknowledge that right now in this season of life, plans change a lot. Your to-do list is never really finished. We have to be flexible, we have to be fluid, and we have to forgive ourselves for not reaching the goal we thought we would because motherhood got in the way. Because for many women, becoming a mother is is their first experience of life happening. It <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what was totally flooring me all those years ago because I'm a product of my generation. I grew up being asked, what are you going to do with your life? And declared to the world when I was eight years old, I was going to be a foreign correspondent for the ABC. And, you know, just so solely driven in ambition and focus and independence and travel and all the things that I wanted. And then along came motherhood and it just, I was like, oh my God, I can't even have a shower, <laughs> let alone go and be a foreign correspondent. What happened to me? How did I get here? And is it okay? Like, is it all right that I'm not doing what I thought I would do by now? And so, yeah, motherhood is often that first experience, especially for modern women, of realising I don't always have control over my life. And that's not an easy thing to accept. Mm. It's really interesting, though, because colleagues of mine that knew you when we first spoke years ago, they went, oh, Amy, she's amazing. Oh, the things that she gets done. The outside view of you was not exactly wheels falling off. It was that you were awesome. Yeah. Look, I so recognize that because that was me. I had, in my research, it's often referred to, Penny, as the mask of motherhood. It's this mask we put on of having it all together. And I was a black belt at the mask of motherhood. I really was. I could get up at 3.30 a.m. five days a week, produce breakfast radio, come home. I had my own blog. I wrote for magazines. I still fit in a yoga class. I'd go pick up my kids from daycare. My husband at the time was working crazy hours at night. I never saw him during the week. And it was just this, almost this adrenaline high I was running on for years. And from the outside, yeah, it did look like I had it all together, as they say. But actually, behind the scenes, my health was awful. My thyroid disease just kept getting more and more out of control. I was incredibly stressed. Every night when I was putting my girls to bed at the time, I just had the two, I'd turn into this ogre if they weren't asleep by five minutes past seven because my body was running on nothing to try and keep up. And if they didn't go to sleep at seven, then I wasn't asleep by 7.30 and the alarm went off at 3.30 the next morning. So from the outside, it looked great. But also, Penny, I was telling myself that this was my definition of success. I was telling myself that I'd made it. We were in Sydney, we were living the life. I was living the dream. And yet there was no space, there was no connection. I just, I was so tired all the time. But the thing with modern life is that we're told these outward things are what we should be aiming for. You know, I, I was successful in that definition, in that traditional definition, but I'd completely lost who I was and the connection with my kids. And it wasn't until I kind of was forced 
to stop and reassess it when I went into early labour with my third child at 28 weeks when I sat on the bed in the hospital and thought, why can't I slow down? Why do I find it so hard to prioritise my health, my kids? Why am I on this treadmill running so fast? And I realised it was because... I decided all those years ago, like so many of us, that this is what life should look like. And actually, I didn't want it to look or feel like that anymore. So what happened then? Because obviously it was an unsustainable thing, but you you discovered a whole new world of other women that were experiencing perhaps something a bit similar. Well, that's it. I think the hardest thing for us in those moments is thinking we're the only one that is struggling because... We're all wearing that mask of motherhood, whether we're, you know, senior producer at the ABC or working in our local library. We're all wearing this mask, pretending that we have this have it together. And so it's incredibly scary to admit that you don't. And that was my first step was to sort of start exploring this for myself. And then because I already had a blog, because I was already completely overachieving in everything, I already had quite a small but beautiful audience of mamas. And I went to them first and said, I'm in hospital. This is what's happened. I've realized this is why. I don't want to do it this way anymore. How do you guys feel? And the wave of recognition that came back to me was just phenomenal. It was every single woman and still is now, years later, eight years later, everyone just says to me, oh my God, I thought it was just me. I didn't even know I was doing that too. I feel like your story is my story, Amy. And from there, I just began this quest of trying to understand why we feel this way as women and how we can do it differently, which led me to the discovery of this phenomenal insight into what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother called matrescence. And matrescence is like adolescence. Adolescence is a period of time in our lives where we are transitioning from child to adult. And just like we don't wake up on our 13th birthday and suddenly we're an adult, there's this period of figuring it out. It's a hormonal change, a physical change, all of these different changes But there's also this questioning of who am I in the world and what do I believe in and who are my friends and how do I want to present myself and all of that. And it's this beautiful and important period of transition until we land at adult. And what we now understand through matrescence is that women also go through this again after giving birth. Just like when we give birth, we don't immediately become a mother. There's this period of hormonal changes and physical changes, but also who am I now? How do I present myself to the world? How do I feel about my friends, my relationship, the career I was so passionate about? You change your mind, you figure it out. There's this period of questioning that when I heard that, I realized, ah, that's what I missed. I missed the pause to ask, is this really who I am still? that incredibly ambitious, focused, driven woman who knew what she wanted to do, I assumed I was still her and I wasn't. Motherhood had changed me, but because we don't know about matrescence and there was no space for me to be allowed to question how I felt, I just kept going thinking that's what I had to do. And so now that's 
what I do is I ask women, I invite women, probably is a better way to say it, I invite women to consider matrescence and to ask themselves, who am I now? How have I changed? How do I feel about all the different parts of my life? And give them the space to decide. And do you see a transformation in these women? Is it possible to stay the same? No, is it it's impossible? impossible to stay the same. Impossible, <laughs> which is what I love about matrescence so much, about this theory, which has come from, it was first coined in the 1970s, but got no traction. No one was interested in it, but it has been brought back in recent years by a phenomenal woman at Columbia University in New York called Dr. Aurelie Athen. And so we're at the very beginning of understanding this, but we do know that just like any human being who arrives at adulthood has been through adolescence, every woman who becomes a mother has been through matrescence. But just like some teenagers seem to breeze through it, so do some women. But you cannot arrive at the other side unchanged. It's impossible. In fact, even if you just looked at the neurological changes that a woman goes through, They've shown now that you can compare a brain of a woman who hasn't given birth and the brain of a, of a mother, maybe one or two years after birth, and you can see without knowing anything else about those two brain scans, which one is a mother and which one is not. Because we have such physical changes that never go back after that. So even that alone shows you're not who you used to be let alone your identity, your relationships, how you feel about your work, how you feel about the environment, all of the things transform. I think the best way to understand it is they say that when we become mothers, our brain and our sense of self goes from me to we. We are neurologically rewired to stop thinking about ourself as the centre of the universe and start thinking about the universe about the world we live in, about the people, the places, the planet, all of it. It's neurologically proven we think differently. So even that alone, that means that when you go back to work, you're going to think differently about work. Like, what contribution am I making? You start thinking about, you've seen it, Penny, so many women after they become mums, suddenly they're like, all the plastic containers in their house have to be thrown out and we have to go on this environmental, toxic-free all of that. And we joke about it and think it's sort of this funny thing that goes with motherhood. But actually, it's matrescence. It's the changes within you because now you're not just yourself, you're also a mother. And I love that. It just allows us to understand why we change the way we do in such a better way. Why are mothers not ruling the world? Why are we letting <laughs> men get away with this? <laughs> well, if why? I've got anything to do with it, we will. I mean, <laughs> Without sounding too altruistic here, I do believe that if we could bring an understanding of matrescence to the world, um, I believe we could change the world. And I know that sounds high and lofty, but I, I think our workplaces would change. We'd look at how women return to work differently. Instead of thinking that they've just been on a year-long holiday oh. and they walk back into the workplace and say, do you remember your login, your first meeting's at 10? We would say, okay, you're different sit down with me. What are you passionate about now? How do you want to make this work? What's important to you? And if we drew out that from her, oh my gosh, can you imagine the difference we could make in this world? Well, interestingly enough, the fact that baby talk exists was 
my boss at the time doing exactly that. He said, well, you've exactly. had a baby. Go do something about babies. And that's that's how the podcast started. And how lucky was I to get that opportunity that I guess not, not a heap of other women do. Yeah, and to be fair, the same thing happened to me with my first child. I had an amazing boss at the ABC in Adelaide and he said, do you want to write something on our website? It was, you know, back 14 years ago when blogging wasn't even much of a thing. He said, do you want to write like something every week about your experiences of being a mum? And that's how it began for me too. Imagine if all women had that. And eventually, let's roll that on to fathers, parents. You know, let's have the conversation of... This is the thing that I think, Penny, we've seen with COVID. We are not human beings siloed into different compartments. When we're at work, we're still a parent. And when we're at home, we're still an independent woman with a career. And up until now, the workplaces have treated us like when you're at work, you're not a mother. And when you're at home, you're not, you're not allowed to work. And I think COVID has blown that out of the water, you know, <laughs> To have Zoom calls in lounge rooms with kids in the background, whether you're the CEO or the secretary, has proven that we are human beings and we're not willing to compartmentalise our lives anymore. Um, I saw a statistic recently showing that in America, out of research, 70% of people interviewed have said they are now actively looking to change careers because of what they experienced during COVID and the pressure to keep going with that level of productivity while they were still trying to raise their kids. We're, not, we're done. We're not going to pretend we're not parents anymore. And I think that's the conversations that we're going to have to start having. It's been a world-shaking event, really, hasn't it, COVID, in the sense that it's changed so many things about what we want and what our employers want and how we can do things. To really look on the bright side, this could be quite a revolution. I hope so. We so need it. One of the new and big passions I have in my work at the moment is to talk about what's known as the maternal wall. And... The way that this is best described is that more women will run into the maternal wall before they hit the glass ceiling, meaning we're now in an era where opportunities are there for women. This glass ceiling may still be in some industries, but it's quite high and we can go up quite high. Amazing things have happened in that way. However, look into those roles. Women still aren't in them. Why is that? because they run into the maternal wall, meaning they can't say yes to that opportunity because they can't be the mum they want to be as well. Because we still don't have workplaces that allow you to be an incredibly successful or incredibly dedicated worker, whether you're a father or a mother, and be there at the pickups and the drop-offs and take the school holidays off or not work until 2am once the kids are asleep to prove that you can keep your job. Women are choosing not to take opportunities because of the season of motherhood they're in. That's what we need to change. And I think, I hope that remote learning for dads and mums, things like, you know, part-time in the office, part-time at home, these types of things that we've proven are possible during COVID, hopefully this will begin to change that maternal wall. So women can say yes to opportunities, but still also be there for their kids like they want to be. The amount of time that we must have spent commuting is phenomenal and you didn't even notice it until we had to stay home. Oh, absolutely. And the women in my community, I'm lucky enough to have a beautiful community of mamas around the world. And they're saying, you know, 
not having to jump in the car at 5.45 and hope like hell you get to the daycare centre for pickup before they close at 6. You know, those types of things. Not doing that for months in lockdown, they're not going back to that. They don't want to be stuck in the car with that level of stress every day trying to get to pick up in time before it closes. We can't do it that way anymore. Mm. So, but also one of the things that has been difficult during the pandemic and for especially for the communities that have experienced lockdown is that, yeah, we've been home and we've sort of built stronger relationships, I hope, with our children mm-hmm. and our partners. But the prospect of getting out again, that's going to be hard in a, a different sort of way. It is. I've thought a lot about this. As I said, I've got such a beautiful community of mamas, um, especially here in Australia, and I've heard so much from them about the level of exhaustion they're feeling after the last 18 months. I mean, especially for the women, the families in Victoria and in some ways, New South Wales, we certainly weren't at the same level as uh, you were in Victoria, but still it has been a sustained period of stress, of lockdown, of uncertainty. And, you know, when we think about trauma, so a psychologist once described to me that trauma is a long sustained period of time where more is asked of you than you can give. Now, when we think about that definition of trauma, that's the last 18 months. Mm. It has been a long and sustained period of time where more has been asked of us, whether we're trying to do homeschooling and keeping our job or dealing with toddlers at home who used to go to daycare, even if you didn't even have your kids in daycare, but you had, you know, library book reading on Tuesday and swimming lessons on Thursday and all of those things that we put in place as mothers to try and feel a village around us. We're not meant to be doing it inside a home on our own for weeks and weeks on end. That's not the way human beings are meant to mother. And yet that's what we've done in lockdown a sustained period of being asked to mother on our own for longer than we should. And so now the borders are opening. We hope (laughs) things are going back to normal. But all of these women are saying to me, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I am so tired. And they don't know why. They're wondering, why why aren't I excited about this? Why aren't I feeling like this freedom is kicking in? And so I really looked at this and realized there's a term called postnatal depletion, uh, first termed by a Byron Bay doctor called Dr. Oscar Serilac. He um, wrote an article about it. It went viral around the world and now wrote a book and has a clinic that teaches it. And what it is, is a, I guess, a recognition of the depletion on a woman's body of pregnancy, birth and sleep deprivation of the first year. Meaning, you know, again, when we look at matrescence, we recognize what changes in a woman's body and how sustained this is. And because we don't have enough support after the baby is born, we don't always have the right nutrients. We don't recognize what our body needs to recover. You know, we're really meant to be resting for that first 40 days after birth, not cleaning the house and having visitors and handing the baby around. Because we don't do that as a culture anymore, women are getting to the end of the first year of their child's life and their body is incredibly depleted. He's shown in blood tests and other scans that 
you know, all of her vital elements and vital needs are low. She hasn't rebuilt her um, hormones. She hasn't rebuilt her sleep system. The sleep deprivation will take years to get over. But we don't honor this or recognize it. So we just keep going and going and going like I did for all those years until something breaks. And he's termed this postnatal depletion. And when I was listening to all the women talking about how they feel at the end of the pandemic, I thought it's like a post-pandemic depletion. We have to acknowledge that we've been through this sustained period of not getting what we need to be able to mother the way we want to. And if we don't pause right now and allow our bodies to heal, you know, maybe taking it slowly to return to normal, maybe going to your GP and just checking on with some blood tests and making sure you rest and you do have that village around you again and you get lots of babysitting or lots of help from grandparents, now you can see them. You know, we have to acknowledge that this is going to take time for our bodies to heal from what we've been through. It's been huge and long and sustained, and we can't ignore that. So feeling like you're not quite ready to launch into the round of Christmas parties and and looking forward to catching up with the relatives, that sounds like it's a reasonable response considering what we've been through. I mean, I think most of us get to the end of the year and not, not really sure if we want to do those catch-ups anyway yeah. and then put on top of that. And also, you know, some of us haven't even seen these people for a long time because of lockdowns. You know, we we have to be gentle with ourselves as we go into this. We're not... It's like we've we've forgotten how to be busy, which isn't a bad thing. We're not used to, I recognize even in myself, when I'm caught in crowds now at the shopping center, everyone's a little bit too close and everyone's a bit louder than I remember. It's because our senses aren't used to that again. So we have to really give ourselves some kindness and compassion about going back into this and say no. You know, just because the borders are open doesn't mean you have to run to Auntie Joan's house for Christmas lunch, you know. Honour the fact that you have been through a lot and it's okay to take your time with this. Mm. And I do wonder about the mums who have two-year-olds and under the babies that were born during this crisis. They would have had a really different introduction to motherhood than, than you and I would have, Amy. It's real worry. I actually think we're going to see a lot of research into this. Uh, there is one study I have seen coming out of the UK already that says that postnatal depression diagnosis is up by 40% for women who had babies during lockdown in 2020. I think, I mean, because we know we're not meant to do this on our own, we're not meant to be isolated. It's going to be a long problem I think we're going to have to acknowledge but also and this is just anecdotal for now Penny but I was speaking to a woman who works at um, one of the parent hotlines you know it's called a different name around different parts of Australia like the parent helpline or parent child helpline and she was working there and she said what they're seeing is a lot of socializing problems socialization problems of children who were born at the start of the pandemic last year and who are incredibly attached to their mother or the main carer because they haven't really had any interaction with anyone else. You know, they haven't been to the library, to the swimming lessons. They haven't been at grandma's house every Sunday. And, you know, 
when they hit the two-year stage around now, usually you do have a bit of separation anxiety around 18 months to two years, but this level of separation anxiety that is showing up in, in these children is like they've never seen before because these children have not been socialized with others. They have been isolated with their mum for 18 months in the beginning of their life and it's starting to show up. So, you know, as a journalist and a researcher, my mind blows thinking about what we're going to learn in the coming years that has come from this pandemic that we don't even understand yet, the impact on our kids, on mothers. I mean, I'm a mother of a teenager who really struggled during lockdown with her mental health. I think it's going to be profound what we understand we've done here. What if you are feeling really lost at the moment? I mean, how do you find your way through to what happens next? Look, I was the one who all those years ago when I was struggling would read all the books and listen to the meditations that would say, you know, just speak to yourself kindly, do the affirmations, you're doing a great job and they just made me feel worse. So I think if you're in a place where you are finding it really hard and you are struggling to pretend that a nice voice to yourself will work is really not helpful. I think the first thing we really need to do is find a place where we can talk about it without judgment. Hopefully everyone who's listening has someone that came to mind just then. Maybe it's your mum, your sister, your neighbour, someone in your mother's group, all of it. But if not, I really encourage everyone to find it, even if you have to pay for it, unfortunately. You know, a therapist, a coach, a GP, a counsellor. Also, Obviously, in my own experience, finding online communities was incredibly important for me to feel like there was this little Facebook group of women who felt the same way as I did and didn't judge me when I had a bad day, but also celebrated me when I had a good day was so important. And with those women around me, I could start changing the way I felt about myself. I guess, Penny, it's the same message again, isn't it? We're not meant to be doing this in isolation. Don't put the mask of motherhood on and pretend you're okay and hide behind, you know, the walls of your house and not be okay. That, I did that for years. It's awful. We've done that for too long during a pandemic. We now need to come out and take our mask off and say, hey, this has been really hard. And can I talk to you about it? Because I really want to feel better. I really want to do this differently. Amy taylor Cabaz, Matresson's activist, life coach and author of Mama Rising. And Amy, as she said, has a huge online community which would have lots of resources and support if you wanted to join. I'll put a link on the Baby Talk page, which you can find by searching online, one word, Baby Talk. Now, last week on Baby Talk, we spoke about the very real struggle of getting out the door and off to Christmas with a brand new baby. So again, just put into your mind that, you know, it's not a great day for sleep. People are going to talk loudly. People will accidentally go into the room and wake the baby up. I could go on for hours as to what goes wrong. Try and resettle as much as you can, but, you know, just give in. If the baby is that upset at any point during the day, you know, you can always go home if you really need to. But look, it's such an exciting time. There's nothing better than your first Christmas with your first baby you're right. It's probably one of the worst days of your life when you, if you think too hard about it, but if you just go with the flow, it is fabulous. It is so good. And why people decide not to go, I don't understand. 
It's a classic podcast, but always worth revisiting, especially for the new parents who sometimes can feel that the training wheels are about to wobble off during the Christmas period with lots of helpful advice from the relatives. I'm Penny Johnston. I'll see you next time on Baby Talk. ABC Baby Talk is a weekly podcast on ABC Digital Radio, wherever you get your podcasts and on the ABC Listen app. Like us on Facebook to find out as soon as a new episode is ready. Just search for ABC Baby Talk. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.